Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! And now for something completely different. <laughs> so true. Marshall, welcome to our, our library session. Uh, I've got a copy of the complete novels of Jane Austen in my hand. And uh, we're going to read a page, just a page of this book from 1813, uh, kind of a romance novel, but that's really selling it short. And then we're going to talk about it and we're going to make the connection to the workplace. So let me give the setup. Um, this is from chapter 10. So it's pretty early in the book. The characters are just getting to know each other. Uh, we have Charles Bingley, Mr. Bingley, and uh, he's playing cards with another gentleman. Uh, we have Mr. Darcy, who's the love interest, we'll find out. Um, and he's writing a letter to his sister. And he has a really annoying woman next to him, which is Caroline Bingley, which is Mr. Bingley's sister. So Caroline, the sister, is sitting there sort of fawning over uh, Mr. Darcy and trying to get his attention and annoying him. And then there's Elizabeth, who we'll find is the, the heroine of the story. She's over to the side doing needlework, observing all of this and uh, taking it all in. So I'll pick it up where Caroline is is yet again interrupting Mr. Darcy, and uh, we'll just we'll just see where this goes. So, <clears throat> without further ado, Jane Austen. But do you always write such charming long letters to her, Mr. Darcy? They are generally long, but whether always charming, it is not for me to determine. It is a rule with me that a person who can write a long letter with ease cannot write ill. That will not do for a compliment to Darcy, Caroline," cried her brother because he does not write with ease. He studies too much for four words of four syllables. Do not you, Darcy. My style of writing is very different from yours. Oh, cried Miss Bingley, Charles writes in the most careless way imaginable. He leaves out half his words and blots the rest. My ideas flow so rapidly that I have not time to express them, by which means my letters sometimes convey no ideas at all to my correspondence. Your humility, Mr. Bingley, said Elizabeth, must disarm reproof. Nothing is more deceitful, said Darcy, than the appearance of humility. It is often only carelessness of opinion, and sometimes an indirect boast. And which of the two do you call my little recent piece of modesty? The indirect boast. For you are really proud of your defects in writing, because you consider them as proceeding from a rapidity of thought and carelessness of execution, which, if not estimable, you think at least highly interesting. The power of doing anything with quickness is always much prized by the possessor and often without any attention to the imperfection of the performance. Wow. Somehow that's a podcast episode. Yes, I am excited about the first question you're going to ask me. <laughs> Whatever that question happens to be. Yes, and keep in mind that I have not heard that passage before, nor have I heard the question, nor have we ever met <laughs> for this episode. That's pretty close to the case. Um, well, so we have these Bingley siblings, right? So we have, uh, we have Charles Bingley and we have Caroline Bingley, and they're talking back and forth about... Uh, the writing style of Mr. Darcy. So we, we get a few, if, if you can pull it up, Mike, it might help just to have this in front of you as, as we go through this. We're, get, we're just going to ask some basic questions to make sure we get the 
sort of what the passage is saying before we move on to talking about what it means or anything like that. Um, but we get a, a couple clues to what Mr. Darcy's writing style is like. So uh, we get something from Caroline and then we get something from her brother that tell us a little bit about Mr. Darcy's writing style. Um, what, how, how would you describe his writing style according to the, to the passage? So Charles writes in the most careless way imaginable, leaving out half his words and blots the rest. So, so yeah, I'm picturing the stream of consciousness kind of, and, and, and you've talked to people like that. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're talking right. and, and you're going, all right, I'm, yeah, you're leaving out parts of the story. You're jumping around. It's, sure. it's, not, it's not a well thought out argument, case, story, whatever it might be. And now, and, and before we jump all the way there, let me ask you to contrast that with Mr. Darcy. So we have this gentleman writing the letter and we get a few little clues as to his writing style. Um, what do you, what do you catch there? Um, the, uh, well, he takes great pride in his carefulness. Uh, yeah. Yes. The, yes. The, 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 the letters are, are shorter, more direct and, and more well thought out. Uh, yeah, and and to be honest, um, it literally says longer letters, right? Because the the first little bit is Caroline just wondering, like, "Wow, you're writing so much." And and frankly, uh, her brother kind of adds to that because he says that they are so thought out that he <laughs> he actually he studies too much for words of four syllables. So he's in some ways making this a longer, more complicated letter. Mm -hmm. But to your point, compare that, you know, you may, you may or may not like that style, but compare that to, you know, Charles uh, and, and his style. It's, as you said, it's not thought out. It's uh, faster. Um, he, you know, he leaves out some words. Um, well, you might even think of Mr. Darcy as kind of an academic writing style. Where, yeah. they, where they, they find words that are, that are unnecessarily complex. And sprinkle them around. <laughs> sprinkle them around. <laughs> yeah, you know, just just to prove how smart I am. <laughs> yeah. And and he's writing to his sister, so you know this is uh, th this is a family letter. Um, I guess you could make the argument that it's a little bit of spicing the letter up. You know, making it making it fun for his sister, making it an enjoyable read for his sister. Um, it's well, not a business letter. No, no, it's not. It's not to an academic colleague. It's not to a, a fellow business person. And so all I'm picturing is in this day and age, right, in the 1800s, I get this letter and I don't have Google. Right? <laughs> I'm stuck on this word. I don't know what this word means and, and I can't Google it. I'm stuck right. now. Yeah, he, he may have insulted me. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah or it may have been the greatest compliment of my life yeah. i don't know and, and you may have caught uh the fact that this novel is named pride and prejudice so there is a little bit of that certainly in this book as you go through the story it's a it's sort of a it's almost a comedy romance about you know sort of people of not different classes necessarily but different levels of good breeding and mr darcy's of the best breeding you know and he's uh he's very got some pride in that um so meanwhile, we get, uh, let, let me read the, the passage again, uh, Charles Bingley, the brother, you know, when he's accused of, you know, being so careless with his words and his letters, 
He says, my ideas flow so rapidly that I have not time to express them, by which means my letters sometimes convey no ideas at all to my correspondence. So he's admitting to something there um, and that there's a, there's a consequence of that. You know, sometimes my letters do not make sense to the people reading them. And it's because, you know, I just have so my, my thoughts come so fast. You know, my thoughts come so fast. My ideas flow so rapidly. Um, Elizabeth declares this humility. You know, she's listening into this conversation and she says, oh, it's your humility here. It's, you know, it, uh, you know anybody who would reprove you of, of uh, being so careless with your words, um, you, you know, you, you've been very humble here. Um, why does she see that as humility, what he's said, do you think? I really don't know when I, when I listen to it, right? Because all I'm thinking <laughs> of is, is that this man is selfish, uh, right? He's self-centered. He, he has, yeah, yeah. He, there may be some humility in there, but, but all I heard was braggadociousness. You know, I, I'm, I am such an amazing thinker that uh, I can't be bothered to put my thoughts on paper for the mere peasants who might read my writings to even yep. understand. And so, yep. so yeah, all I'm thinking is, yeah, there is zero humility here. It's just, I'm so awesome that I can't be bothered to write it all down. This is where this gets really fun for me because, you know, we're, we're talking about two different letter writers, right? We've got Mr. Darcy, the man of good breeding, who's writing this long letter. He studies and gets four syllable words and he's got all this uh, careful thought out thinking that he puts down on paper. And then we've got his friend, Mr. Bingley, who just, you know, he says the thoughts come so rapidly that I, you know, I just, I, I sometimes it just doesn't even make sense what I write to people. Um, and, and Elizabeth says that that guy is the one who has humility. So in, in her mind, that's where humility is. It, when I put the contrast like that, I, I guess the only thing we can say for Mr. Bingley and his fast writing style is that he admits that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like that, there's the humility. <laughs> right, right. That, yeah. And I guess you could call that humility. Uh, again, I'll go back to it's selfish and uh, yeah, and it lacks yeah. empathy for the for the recipient of the letter. Because I, yeah. I think there's a third style here, right? There, so you've got you've got this passage that's rambling and all over the place and then you've got this one that's 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 sprinkled with long words and maybe a, a, little, a little too uh, verbose uh, but that spot in the middle where where I write my thoughts in a clear and simple manner mm -hmm. that is easily understandable I think that that's where that's where the sweet spot would be between both of these uh, personality types so, so Mr. Darcy is going to not necessarily get a lesson in his writing style, but he's definitely going to be getting some, um, oh, uh, he's going to be hit across the face a few times by the fact that he might be a little too proud. Meanwhile, he has this insight about the style that his friend Charles Bingley uses, which, you know, he says it's just the appearance of humility that his friend is sharing, you know, when he says, oh, people can't understand me. I'm just, my thoughts come so rapidly. He says, it's just the appearance of humility. Um, what, what would you say to that? Why, why do you think that, uh, you know, Bingley saying, you know, oh, my thoughts just come so fast. That's, that's the problem. Why is that only the appearance of humility and not actually humility? Well, I think he's, he's trying to double down on the thought that because people can't understand my writings, 
I'm I'm that much superior. That mm. that yeah, I just you know it's so far beyond the mere mortal to understand this that uh, you know I just admit that that is the case, and I I don't declare that you know that 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 to the reader. I just make it so that that is the case. That's what they experience. And I think that uh, you know the the phrase Darcy uses is that you know you're you're boasting, you're proud of your defects. You're you know you're saying you know the, the, you know it's it's not a bug, it's a feature. I'm just that good. You know I the, the fact that you can't understand my writing it means I'm I'm really that smart and that that fast with my thinking. Oh um, yeah, and and I really don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if somebody, you know, because we meet these people in life, the person who comes up to you yeah. and they do something that annoys the team or annoys other people, and then yeah. they just go, well, you know, that's just who I am. Right. You know, I'm right. I'm late for every meeting. That's just who I am. I, I Mike, never, I knew you were going to use that example. I never yeah. turn my work in on time. That's just right. who I am. I don't yeah. pay any attention to the detail. That's just who I am. I yeah. hate that guy. Yeah. Like, no, if you're, if I tell it like it is. Yeah. yeah That's I, just who I am. I'm blunt. And if people can't yeah. take it, you know, it's like, <laughs> if it's, if it's not working, stop yeah. doing it. If it's right. working and you're, and you're, you know, yeah. CEO of a billion dollar company, great. But if it's right. not working, if it's if it's hindering the performance of the people around you and, and, and causing people to think, uh, you know, maybe you're not the guy, uh, right? Then you need to stop it. So, so yeah, yeah. I may not be seeing this clearly because I truly don't like this character. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so you you've leapt to you know where I ultimately think we're headed with this, which is you know what are the circumstances that lead us to you know boast in our defects? What are those What are those things that that cause us to say, well, you know, it's really it's it's actually pretty impressive that you can't understand me because it means that you know i'm thinking that rapidly or yeah i can understand you got ticked off it's because i'm such a truth teller you know uh the the all these examples you gave being late to meetings and so on and so forth i'm just really busy you know i'm that important uh we we could go on and on there are some circumstances that i think lead people to say you know this is a this is a feature not a bug to, to boast about those things that are causing problems. And I'm not sure what they are, but I feel like there are some, there are some circumstances that cause us to sort of go down that road. Do you have thoughts about that? I just... well, to me, it's deflection. It's, I really mm. don't want to address this. This is too painful for me to address. Maybe I don't even mm. believe I can change it. So yep. therefore, I'm going to deflect. I'm going to call it a positive and I'm going to move on and hope you don't call me on it. Yeah. Yeah. And usually we don't. No, it no, goes no. On. Yeah, it, it aggravates us. We put up with it and we try to work around it. Uh, yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, so let me throw one more quote just to sort of wrap up our discussion. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis about uh, how he defines humility. So we've, you know, we've got uh, a couple perspectives on humility here. One is that it's not really humble. It's a false humility. C.S. Lewis says that true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I'll read that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
how might that perspective help the person who is unapologetically uh, engaging in bad behavior that they say is, you know, just part of who they are and it's, you know, it's, it's actually a good thing? Well, I think it's, I think it, you're either in one of two places. You're either thinking about yourself or you're thinking about others. And so the expansion of that, that quote could be, yeah, yeah, if, if I'm spending less time thinking about myself, the likelihood that I'm putting myself in the other person's shoes yeah. and, and demonstrating empathy, trying to figure out, you know, how do, you know, how do I affect them, right? What is, what is the, my impact of my behaviors on them? And are those, is that impact positive? And if not, uh, I need to change that. So just right. the act of not thinking of me forces me to look outward. Yeah, that's a that's a really, really good point. And you can see how with writing, you know, th this passage happens to be about writing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, how many times do you get this, you know, vague, uh, brief text message uh, from, you know, a manager uh, who's, you know, trying to give some direction, but it's not direction. Nobody knows what you're talking about. So it meant something to you, but it didn't mean anything to the people that you were trying to impact and theoretically help. So if you if you really cared about other people, you might slow down and address this uh, problem that you realize you have where you're too busy and aren't making sense when you communicate to people. That would be a real growth opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it may involve employ, you know, utilizing a different communication technique. Mm. Maybe for the message I'm communicating, the text message is not the ideal communication form here yep maybe a voice uh, you know an actual phone call voice to voice uh, you know synchronous uh, voice to voice call or maybe an in-person get together uh, is what's needed cool. here uh, yeah. in order to to truly communicate what it is that that, that i'm thinking feeling or or, or desire yeah you know it's become an expression during the pandemic you know it could have been an email and then our whole life apparently could have been an email. I think so many people feel that way because we're so terrible at meetings and communication in general. I, I wouldn't want to just leave it to an email if there was something really important that we needed to discuss. You know, I'd, I'd want there to be two-way communication. I'd want to make sure the other people in the room felt like I had understood what they were saying so that we could move forward on a decision. So, um, yeah, but I'd have to slow down to do that, wouldn't I? You know, I'd, I'd have to actually think through and make that a thoughtful uh, communication. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I might have to schedule that conversation, make sure that we've got time set aside, pick a location right. where we could actually be uninterrupted for a bit, set the phones aside. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of things that would go into to making this a, a, a quality conversation where whatever it is that I wanted to express was clearly expressed and received in the manner that I'd hoped it was received. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Well, I, we could go on and on about this uh, little passage uh, because I think there's just that much there, but I just wanted everybody to read a page of uh, Pride and Prejudice and see that there might be workplace value there. So uh, that's what we have done. Awesome, awesome. How many more pages do I have to go? Um, I know of at least one other in Pride and Prejudice and it's literally the very next page where I said, well, that's an episode. Oh, so okay. I guess we should probably talk about this, shouldn't we? Like, yeah. why, why the heck we're doing this? Yeah, yeah, because I really <laughs> thought, yeah, when we were brainstorming this idea and you expressed so eloquently and inspirationally 
the why behind uh, this particular type of, of podcast. So, so I'll let you explain it. I, I'm, I was truly impressed. Uh, well, it probably won't be eloquent now that you've said that because of uh, Murphy's Law. Um, let, me, let me just say this. I think that what I keep hearing my clients say, and I keep seeing in the professional world, in the work world, in the business world, is this real desire for human beings to show up at work, um, for, for people to show up who are treating other people like human beings, are being empathetic with them, are listening to them, are communicating with them, are thinking critically. You know, we don't want robots. Uh, we don't just want transactions. We want an actual human being to human being experience to happen. Um, that's every workplace out there. That's every manager to employee out there. You know, I'll have people say things like, you know, I just wish my employees would think before they do something. Um, or, or you'll hear uh, employees say, you know, that manager treats us all like numbers instead of names. Um, th those are real opportunities for us to grow in how we treat each other like human beings. And, you know, hip socket, my business, that's our tagline is wrestle and grow. You know, I, I want people to grow in um, you know all sorts of ways, uh, but certainly one of the big ones would be to grow as a human being. And there happens to be an entire Western tradition that we can wrestle with to help us get there. You know, we've we've become very good at being a high tech world that's very transactional. It's very surface. We get lots of things done. We're very quick, much like Mr. Bingley. Uh, we're we're very quick and busy and doing lots of things. But man. If we could slow down and wrestle with some things that help us grow in our understanding of ourselves and of uh, human nature, we would be so much better in the workplace, let alone in our personal lives. And so uh, that's what I want to attempt to do. I think, I think businesses need book clubs. I think workplaces uh, need some way to have conversations like this that are not surface, not easy. They require a wrestle. But man, it's a whole level of growth that we don't currently really pursue in the workplace. Oh, definitely, and and well said. And and I would say that that what the the viewer just witnessed was wrestling, where we oh. take it, take oh. this idea, kind of tearing it apart. I thought of stuff that you had never thought of. One hundred percent perspectives of it. I can tell by your face. You're like. How do you take that away from that? <laughs> so, so, and that's perfect, right? Gives yep. you insight into me, gives me insight into you. Uh, we suddenly are talking about, uh, you know, weighty, important things. And, and yeah, we talk about this with, with our managers all the time. They're, they're always like, I don't need to coach my people. I talk to them all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're talking, talking, talking to them mostly about tactical things. Right. We're talking right. about, you know, that last report, that last customer, what are we going to do with that? You know, uh, but these these deeper uh, conversations that, that truly help us grow and learn and understand each other a little bit better. We seldom have those conversations. So uh, this is a neat way uh, to start that process. Yeah. And, and I guess what I would just say is that we're going to have a, a handout version of this little excerpt with some suggested discussion questions, some of which we covered here. Um, newsflash, I asked some of these questions and I didn't get the answer I expected out of Mike. And that's what will happen when you do this with coworkers or a, a group of volunteers or whatever. We're going to try to start sending uh, stuff like this out through the podcast that uh, could be 
um, of benefit. Um, and, and Mike, you even thought of a, a clever name for this, this whole series, possibly even a YouTube channel. Do you, please share, please share. Just, do you remember this? I, th I thought it was great. Yes, the, the episodes will be called Guys with Outlooks with Books. <laughs> The whole key so, is the spacing between out and books. <laughs> that, 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 how, you, how you choose to uh, yeah. write that down might look a little different. Everything. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, a very uh, initial inaugural episode of Guys Without Looks with Books. So download the worksheet, use it uh, with your, uh, you know, workplace, a uh, little informal book club uh, might make an interesting sales meeting if you're brave enough. Uh, maybe it's a couple folks. You can use it with yourself too. And I've given space for you to write down some answers, but we hope this helps as always. And uh, that's what it doesn't take a genius is about because it sure didn't take a genius to, for the two of us to talk about a passage of ancient literature that, uh, you know, PhDs out there write, you know, entire books about. So here we are. Oh yeah. No, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't take a genius. <laughs> All right, good stuff, my man. Good stuff. And there you have it. Another session of contemporaneous extemporizing from Mark and Mike. I know it's redundant, but consider what we're talking about. As always, feel free to share the ideas you heard here. No rights to reserve, no permissions needed. Thanks. See you next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius.